I've been thinking about this message for a while now, you know, and it's been buzzing around in my brain whenever Enda asked me to teach next. And so when he asked me to fill in for this slot, I was like, wow, way up. God is good. This fits. And the first reason it fits is obviously because it's a new year. It's we've done a week in the new year now. It's our first Sunday in 2024. But the second reason and the more important reason that it fits is I actually feel it really ties in with Enda's message last Sunday. And we didn't plan this, but God obviously always has a plan, doesn't he? It had ties in with that message. If you remember, Enda was encouraging us last week as we enter into a new year to examine ourselves and to examine our walk with Jesus. And he talked to us about checking out if we are walking as close to God as we need to. And he used that scripture in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So today I just want to encourage you. As you examine your walk with God. As you examine if you are close enough to God as you should be. Maybe check if there is somewhere or something in your life that God would like you to change. Is there an area in your life that God is bringing into question? An area that maybe he wants you to change in? Maybe there's an area that God is calling for a change. See, I love changing things around at home. I'm always doing it. And does not in his head. <laughs> Always. I get tired of this thing on this shelf, so I move it over to this shelf. Or I get tired of something in this room, so I move it into another room. Yesterday, we took down all our Christmas decorations, so there's different things everywhere. The lads are navigating around the house. But, you know, I even get in trouble at home for it because we have a kitchen table. And when we sit at the kitchen table, everybody has their own seat that they sit in to eat at the kitchen table. And I love, at times, just the way the room is designed that I can spin the table around in a different direction. So I do that every so often, usually when they're not around, and then they come into the kitchen and they're like, ugh, because it takes them ages. Guys, it's fun to watch them. It takes them ages to figure out what seat do I need to sit in to make sure I'm in the same seat that I was in normally when the table was the other way. I have great fun because I really don't care where I sit at the table. But as I said, I get in trouble for it, and I just love changing things around. I feel like it's refreshing. It's different. You know, it keeps us on our toes. It's a change, and change can be good. And like I said, this word change and this message change has been buzzing around in my head now for a while, and I actually feel that God, just before Christmas, was really preparing me for it. Because as I told you, I love changing things around at home. It makes things feel different. It changes our perspective. And as I said, change can be good. Yet we don't always like change. Sure, we don't. I don't always like change. I don't mind those little small things that I mentioned, like spinning the table around. I don't mind those changes. But I'm not as enthusiastic about the larger changes. And if you Google the word change, it explains it like this. When you change something, you alter it, or you modify it, or you vary it, which can lead to something you know being lost and substituted. As I said, I love those little changes I talked to you about, and I really felt God was preparing me. For example, I was not so in love with the changes that we had this Christmas. You know you all have your little routines and Christmas traditions every year, and we look forward to them every year, and our family is no different in that way. 
But this year, we had a completely different Christmas with so many little different changes. And you know what? I wasn't quite prepared for it, but I see now what God was doing. And first of all, Christmas Eve, with the way, Sunday, with the way church fell this year, Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday. So that brought up the thing, do we do Christmas Eve service? Do we do Christmas Day service? I fought this with Enda, terrible, not, I'm not a good wife, I fought this. But you know, we prayed about it, we took counsel on it, we checked with other churches that we've connection with. And you know, Christmas Eve service was Christmas Eve service this year. We didn't have a Christmas Day service. I was put out. This is the first time I had never been at a Christmas Day service. So I was put out. But I understood the change that needed to be made. And I have to say, I ended up thoroughly enjoying our Christmas Eve service. Then another thing was my parents. My parents come to Christmas dinner every year. It's what we do. I'm turning 34 this year, and my parents, I have never missed. They laughed, Enda. They laughed. Oh, see, Colm didn't laugh. <laughs> I have never, ever in all my life had a Christmas dinner without my parents. And this year, just before Christmas, both of them tested positive for COVID. So they had to isolate. And we had to bring their Christmas dinner to them in a basket. I did not like that change. I was like, what's going on here? And even we always go bowling New Year's Eve with Enda's family. We didn't get to do that this year. Another change. I'm sitting at home thinking, what's going on here? Why are all these changes? But I really felt that God was just preparing me for this message. Because sometimes, church, changes will come. And we have to adapt to them. We have to adapt to them. Amen? Sometimes they will come and we have to adapt to them. God was showing me that this year, I believe. And change can be good for us. We need to remember that because we as mere humans are inclined to resist change, aren't we? Why do we resist change? Well, we resist change because change makes us uncomfortable. Change unnerves us, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes us uneasy. You see, you have to remember that we're creatures of habit, aren't we? We like our tea or coffee a certain way in a certain cup. You know, we like our food cooked in a certain way. We like to watch TV in a certain position. Or is that only Enda? No? No, probably not. No, we changed around the room, obviously, for Christmas. We have to change around the room. The armchair, he followed the armchair. The armchair that he sits in here went over here. Enda went over here. He has to be in that armchair. But we're creatures of habit, aren't we? When we drive into the car park here on a Sunday morning, you park in the same parking spot, don't you? Uh -huh. I do it myself. When you come up that stairs, don't you come in here and sit in a certain seat in the church? Don't you? And don't tell me you've never been miffed when you've walked in that door and somebody has unwittingly sat in your seat. I know you have. We're all like that, aren't we? I remember even myself when Little built their new store here in town. I was upset. No, I was delighted that the town were getting this lovely big new store. But I remember it took me so long to get used to it. You know, the new atmosphere in it, like the new feel of it, the new layout. I often walked into Little and said, and, and I wish it was still the old way. But that's just what we're like, aren't it? We yeah. were creatures of habit because we like the assurance of familiar. It's safe, isn't it? It's what we know. We like the status quo, don't we? And I'm not talking about the rock band. Rocking all over the world. We're in the army now. Do you all know who status quo are? Yeah? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. 
Well, status quo is not the rock band. <laughs> status quo is a Latin phrase, meaning the situation that exists now without any changes. That's what we like, don't we? We like the situation that exists now without any changes. You know, status quo can be good, but it can be bad also. You see, businesses are always encouraged to, you know, kind of ruffle the status quo because why? It promotes creativity amongst the staff. It, they come up with new practices, you know, everything, new things come into place, new ideas. Because the status quo can cause things to become a little stale, a little stagnant. But yet, we can be guilty of liking things as they stand. We can be guilty of liking the status quo. Because you see, with the assurance of familiar is safety and comfort, as I said, and that's not a bad thing. That's easy, isn't it? It's comforting. Familiar is okay. But I wonder sometimes, are you ready for this? I wonder sometimes, does the easiness and the comfort and the assurance of familiarity hold us back? especially when it comes to the things of God and especially when it comes to our walk with God. Is it possible that our quest for comfort, our quest for the status quo, stunts our godly growth? Mm. Newsflash, church. God doesn't always do status quo. Yes, he himself never changes. And I gave my scripture this morning, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We sang that this morning. Amen. God himself never changes, but there are times when he wants us to change. There are times when he needs us to change. So I wonder, are there times in our lives when God wants us to change in an area and we resist because we don't like the change or because it makes us feel uncomfortable? Or maybe we don't want to change because it doesn't fit into our plan. Yeah. Or maybe we're afraid of change. So we cling on to the old because we're fearful of the new. You know, we've just come out of Christmas and, you know, we've read all the Christmas scriptures as it were. Did you know that Mary didn't plan to be the mother of Jesus? This young girl set to get married, amen? She's making her wedding plans. She's dreaming about her new husband. She's dreaming about her home. And God comes along and interrupts her plan. She's confused and disturbed. Naturally, amen, naturally. Change will do that. Change will confuse you. Change will disturb your life. But yet Mary, in her fear and in her confusion, said yes to this huge change. Church, look what she got to do because she said yes. She got to raise the Son of God. She got to raise the Savior of the world. Amen. Because she said yes to the change. Just like that song we sang during the carl service, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that one day the, that Jesus would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know? The song says it. Did you know that this baby boy, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. All those things. Mary, did you know? Did you know that this change, this disruption to your plan was going to cause you to raise the child that would do all these things? cause people to speak, heal people, cause the lame to walk, the blind to see, amen, the deaf to hear. Mary, did you know? Did she know, I wonder? Did she know? Did she know that that, that boy would do all those things and be still doing them today? Yeah. 
Mary said yes to the change. When she should have been saying yes to the dress, she said yes to God. Amen. Mary went God's way instead of her own way, and look what she got to do. Does that not give you goosebumps? Amen. Church, even though we think we have it all figured out, even though we think we have it all planned out, even though we think we're smart, God is smarter. And his ways are higher and his ways are better. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's purpose is often very different to our plans and what we think is best. So if God is trying to change something about your life, I encourage you, don't resist it. Amen? Don't resist it. You know, Moses, he was tending his father-in-law's flock, wasn't he, in the fields, when he found himself standing on holy ground and being told by God that he was going to lead God's people out of Egypt. You know, David, he was looking after sheep. He's disturbed. He becomes king. Esther, she's interrupted, basking in the palace to save a race of people. And the one that we're going to look at today, Saul, his plans were majorly changed. Why? Because he was God's chosen vessel to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But church, you know what happened about Saul? He had to change. He had to change. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Are you with me? Are we okay? Are you uncomfortable? Are you uneasy? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, what have I got to change? Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This cracks me up every time I read that. Still breathing threats and murder. Imagine. Against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Okay, so Saul doesn't like people of the way. Saul doesn't like these Jesus followers, amen? Why does he not? Because you know what? He is going around defending what he knows. He's defending what he's comfortable with. You see, his plan is to get these men and women. He's already done it in Jerusalem. Now he's going to Damascus and he wants to do the same. He wants to get these men and women and he wants to bind them up and he wants to put them into prison. He's desperate. He's had enough. He's on the rampage. Because you see, there's something new around There's something new around. There's a shift now in the way people are believing. Why? Because Jesus has been in their midst. Jesus has been in their midst and he's shaken things up. Jesus has changed the status quo. And Saul doesn't like it. It's making him uncomfortable. He doesn't like this change. And he doesn't like this change of thinking. He doesn't like this change of belief system that's being floated around. So he becomes so incensed by this rapid spread of Christianity that he goes to extreme measures to stamp it out. What does he do? Well, the Bible says that he threatens the Lord's disciples. So he's heading to Damascus now with permission to find all the, Jewish, the Jesus followers and take them back to Jerusalem. He's not a happy camper. He goes on his journey, and he goes on his journey to carry out his plan of action. He knows what he wants to do. And while he is doing what he wants to do, he's interrupted. I think there's a change afloat, huh? I think the status quo is about to change. Let's look, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, look what he says. 
Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? This I love. Saul's plans are disrupted, aren't they? He's had his plans all thought out. He's put everything into action that he needs to put into action. And he's heading on his way to Damascus to carry out his plan when he has this encounter with Jesus. He's disrupted. He's interrupted. He's changed now, okay? His plans are changing. And did you notice, who are you, Lord? Lord, what do you want me to do? This is familiar to Saul. This is familiar to Saul. So this is what Jesus says to him. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Well, what does that mean? Well, in case you didn't know, what is a goad? Well, in those days when they worked in the fields with teams of oxen, they had sticks, sticks that they called goads, right? And they used to use the goads to encourage the animals to move on in a certain direction. If the animals moved forward, well and good, but if they didn't, if the animals hesitated or tried to pull back, they would get a little prod in the bum of this goad, this stick. And naturally, the animals didn't care too much for this. They didn't care too much. And often, if they got a little prod of this stick, they would kick against it. They would kick against the goad because they didn't like it. So what Jesus is saying to Saul here, in effect, is, Saul, you're kicking against the conviction of your heart. You're kicking against the conviction of your heart that's trying to get you to come in the direction of me. And it's hard to do it, isn't it, he's saying to him. You see, we have to remember, we've just read this in Acts chapter 9, but we have to remember that a couple of chapters back, Stephen was stoned to death for being a Jesus follower, remember? And who was there for that? Our buddy Saul. He would have been there for that. He saw Stephen being stoned for death for this. And you know, Stephen, 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 I love that guy. As he was being stoned, he cried out, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. He's been stoned to death for being the follower of Jesus. Yet he cries out to Jesus as he's dying, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Don't you think Saul heard that? Of course he did. Everybody around him heard it. What an excellent witness. So in light of that witness, and in light of the fact that Saul would have known about the things of God as much as anybody else at the time, and in light of the fact that God would have had people around him sharing grace and God's love to him, just like we do it now, in light of all those things, it's safe to believe and very possible to believe that Saul may have had a conviction in his heart that this stuff could be real. Yeah. This stuff could be the truth. Amen. But he refused to follow the prodding of his conscience. He was kicking against the prodding of his conscience. And in that, his heart had become hardened against God's appeal to him. So church, we need to examine ourselves today and we need to make sure that we're not behaving like Saul. Are you sure you're not behaving like Saul? Are you sure? Because if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe it's time for a change. Because if you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's most possibly and most probably likely that somebody has been telling you about the grace and the love and the forgiveness of the God we serve. But you're kicking against the goads. Amen. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to stop kicking against that conviction. And if you're here today and you are saved and you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe ask the question, what is he speaking to me today? 
You know, God may have spoken to you last week. He may have spoken to you last year. And that's great. Praise God for it. But what is he speaking to you today? And are you kicking against it as he's speaking to you? Let's go back to Saul, verse 6 again. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. He was three days without sight. I wonder why. Well, I'm sure God was dealing with him, amen? God was dealing with him. And I have no biblical basis for this, but as I was do, studying this out during the week, I thought, okay, he couldn't see. He stood up from the ground, opened his eyes, and he couldn't see. And I wonder, I wonder, when God is trying to make a change in our lives, that maybe we need to keep our blinkers on. Maybe we need to keep our focus on him, amen? If you feel that God is changing your life in an area, keep your eyes on him. Yeah. This is important. Why is this important? Because you see, a change from God, if God wants you to make a change, it will always be for the better. It will always be for your good. It will always be for the advancement of your walk with him, okay? So if he's trying to do that, if he's trying to make this change, the enemy won't like it and he will try and stop the change, amen? He doesn't want you getting better. He doesn't want you doing good. He doesn't want you advancing in your walk with God. So we need to keep our eyes focused on God because when you step out and when you step up, the enemy steps up as well and he steps up the attack. So you need to keep the blinkers on because he's going to put things in your path. He's going to try to put things in your eye line to stop you moving forward with this change that you're making. He will try to show you all the reasons why you shouldn't change. He will try to remind you of the comfort of the familiar. He'll try to remind you of the easiness of all you know. He'll try to hold you back from stepping in to all God has called you to do. So close your eyes to the enemy, amen? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Because you know, when Saul's eyes were reopened, he saw a very different world. Because he was now looking at the world through a different eyes, amen? So Saul didn't eat or drink for three days, either. I'm not advocating that. I'm not going to tell you don't eat or drink for three days. If you want to fast, great, praise the Lord. But I would think my hunch is that Jesus was dealing with Saul during this time, amen? Because you have to remember, Saul had a lot to leave behind, and he had also a lot ahead of him. And Jesus was also all going through all this, I'm sure, with Saul, working things out with him. I'm sure he was kind of giving him, you know, a plan of action. This is you know, step by step, this is what we're going to do for a little while. And, you know, he was started with Ananias. So let's just look in verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. See, Ananias is open. We're, we're good at that, aren't we? Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. But look what happens in verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, 
I have heard many about I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name Ananias is resisting God calls on Ananias he says here I am Lord Lord tells him what he wants him to do and then he starts to resist starts to resist naturally because you have to remember word of Saul would have got to Damascus before Saul you know they would have known Saul by reputation they knew what Saul was doing to Christians they knew that Saul was on his way to Damascus and they knew what the plan was when he got there and Ananias is saying here I am Lord but 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 God is saying it's okay it's okay look what God says to him verse 15 but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for, suffer for my sake. You see, God says, it's okay, go ahead, Ananias. I've got it sorted. Yeah. You know, Ananias was acting out of naturally what he knew about Saul. But God was saying, it's okay, Ananias. I've sorted him. It's okay. Verse 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Look at the opportunity Ananias would have missed out on had he resisted what God was asking him to do. He got to play a part in the transformation of Saul. Ananias could have kept insisting, no, Lord, I'm too scared, I'm too scared. I can't do that, I can't do that. And God was saying, it's okay. You know, he was fearful of the change. He had good reason to be. And we can be fearful of change and we can have good reason to be fearful of change. But church, please be assured that if God asks you to do something for him, if he leads you in a certain way to change an area in your life, please, please rest assured knowing he will be with you every step of the way. Yeah. Amen. He will not ask you to change and then abandon you. He will not ask you to change and not prepare things at the other end. God prepares everything, amen? Saul's transformation was huge. You may know he's, his name was changed to Paul. God changed his name to Paul. And he went on to write so much of the Bible, so much that we're still learning from today. So church, I want to encourage you not to be afraid of change. Amen? Don't be afraid of change. I want to encourage you not to resist change. If God is urging you to change, it will only be for your good. And I just have five little, just little points just little checks. My first one is always make sure that you're listening to God. Don't ever make a change because of a feeling or because somebody else tells you to change. Some people can be good at that. Don't do it. Only make the change that God wants you to make. Amen. The second one is don't kick against the goads, guys. You know, maybe you feel you need to be eased into a situation. Sometimes we're like, okay, look, I'm eased into it. But you know what? If we think about something too long, we can talk ourselves out of it. The third one is, if you want to advance with God, don't get comfy in any one place or in any one situation because God is always moving. God is always advancing forward. This building, we love this building. It's a great building. And we will use it as long as God wants us to use it in the best way we can use it. But as soon as he drops a new building in front of us, we're out of here. We won't give you time to turn around in your chair. We'll be gone. Amen. Because we want to advance. Yeah. 
Amen. The fourth thing is remember that God has a plan and purpose for your life and it may not be as you had thought. You know, I'm sure Saul thought this was his, his purpose in life to persecute the Jesus followers, but God had a different plan for him. Amen. And number five, you don't always have to know why. We can be guilty of, oh, I wonder what God is trying to do, you know. God, if you just give me a reason, I'd understand it better, and then i do it. But we don't always have to understand. You don't always have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Amen? He doesn't have to give you the details. He can do it. Because you know what? If he gave you the details, you might do it. You might be overwhelmed. Trust that God has a purpose for this change. Don't be afraid. Change could be your biggest praise report. So what is God saying to you today? What is he calling you to do? What is it he wants you to do that you need to trust him with? It's a new year, church. Examine yourself, amen? And as you're entering in this new year, maybe if you don't feel God's making change, maybe just ask him. Maybe there's areas in your life that you're not content with, you're not happy with, you don't like what way they're going. Maybe ask God, is there an area I should change in? Ask God what you should change and be open to it and be obedient to it. Because we have to remember the outcome is God's responsibility. The obedience is our responsibility. Amen. We trust God's voice. We trust God's word. We trust God's purpose. And we leave the outcome to him. Mary, Moses, David, Saul, they all had to trust. And in trusting, they achieved so much for the kingdom of God. So don't be afraid of changing the status quo, I'm telling you today. Not the rocking all over the world one, but don't be like the baby, baby Mikey in the beginning. Put me back in, put me back in. Sometimes we can be like God with God, can't we? He wants us to change something, we put a step forward, we're going, no, Lord, no, put me back, put me back. But you know what? With the baby in the womb, it was time for him to come out of the womb, wasn't it? That season of his life was over. Yes, it was a cozy season. Yes, it was a safe season. Yes, he was well provided for in that season. But it was time for him to come out of that season. It was time for him to move on to that next season. And as you saw, making the change was uncomfortable, wasn't it? He was scared. He was freezing. He was cold. But yet, yet, when they laid him in his mother's arms, he said, ah, this is nice. Because you see, when you step into the will of God for your life, when you do what God has called you to do, you will sit there and you will go, yeah, this is nice. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Because that's where you'll be at your happiest. That's where you'll be at your most comfortable. That's where you will be at your most contentedness. Amen.